0: That's stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.
1: Hi, welcome to The Ruck. I'm joined today by one of the most prominent, uh, promising young journalists... Uh, also here is Will Keller, <laughs> and one of the m- men who stopped being promising years ago because he's now in the point of fulfilment. The great Alex, uh, my beard's real low. G- <laughs> gentlemen, um, Alex, I um, think I think you, you, I think. Think you, I think you <laughs> may have I think you may have had a hard weekend at grafting. Yeah. Um, any enjoyment there? What were the highlights? What were the tough bits?
2: Um, my sporting highlights were watching my kids play football a Saturday morning and Sunday morning. If I'm perfectly honest,
1: doesn't that say it all? Yeah. Uh.
2: Obviously, I watched. I enjoyed watching France. Um. There were moments at Twickenham which, which I did enjoy as a spectacle. It was pretty. It was pretty low. Low grade, wasn't it? Two middling teams scrapping out a, uh, a game. It, it won't be one that lives in the memory, unfortunately. Um. And
1: it all all felt like hard work for everyone. Will, you're you're there to be our um, grafter and to find out all the news stories, the facts and figures, the stats, etc. Did you have fun finding finding them or was it just a bit of a chore as well?
3: Well, yeah, it it was interesting. There's plenty of nuances and bits and pieces that came out of um, England, Wales. um, And subscribers to The Times actually can enjoy some of the deep dive, snorkel-on stuff that we can do... (laughs) On the Monday, more that will be coming out if you're listening on a Monday. It'll be coming out this afternoon. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And one of them actually was that Mike Adamson and his refereeing team managed to waste three minutes of the game, which Wales might have done with at the end. But what I also want to say was it's been a good weekend to be a Kelleher with cousin Quivine. Oh, do you see the pen? Amazing
1: for Liverpool in the League Cup. So just to summarise, you didn't have a great weekend then.
3: I had. Well,
2: watching him, I did. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay. 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 <laughs> Do you lay claim to be related to all Callahans. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Byron, he's in. By yeah. Byron. Yeah. Is <laughs> Ronan your current favourite cousin? Uh. Savina. Savina. out there yeah, now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's okay. in the top three at least.
2: Enough of
1: this, or we'd have to go through all the Joneses. Yeah. Um, Alex. Um, we, we take. Uh, I don't really want to start about a debate about Twickenham with the referee, but Will did bring up the the, the long, long um, gaps in play mm. while we waited for something to happen at the start. It was actually incredible. And you would have thought that the ref would have sorted it out before the game, this is what I want. But it didn't happen like that, did it? No.
2: So w- when I was writing about the, the break for the, the hookers issue, the axial loading thing back in November, I spoke to a lot of hookers who said, we know it's taking a long time, but we have to get it right. We have to get the engagement right. And we're asking, effectively asking people to understand the need for the setup to be as it is. I, I get that. I think that's fine. The problem is that when the referee doesn't know what's going on and just resets and resets and then penalises one team and then changes his mind and penalises the other team, it just means that the, the front rows don't quite know where they stand. And it, it looked to me from the stands, it looked to me again on replay, like he just didn't really have a handle on what was happening. And that just that led to confusion, and it led to a whole load of resets and um, and frustration among uh, among both
1: teams. I think. Well, well, at the end of the game, it's one of those things where you're on your deadline thinking. Well, actually, the the crowd really got loved that last minute. Um, mm. You know, the mm. whistle and the England won the game. There was a big crowd. They seemed to be in decent humour. Then 10 minutes say, so "You think, oh, yeah, but by me, no tries. Whatever. What I have? What was your overall view?" I mean you can you can get everything in the papers this morning and online from viewers uh and, and, and subscribers, you can get everything from utter rubbish to a great performance. Mm. Where where was it for you? I remember chatting to a mate going up to the ground and and I always have this thing
3: with England where I feel like they've got the potential to really burst into life and have done for a long time, but you never quite see it. And people pay a lot of money to go to Twickenham. Some tickets up to two hundred quid now. Mm. Um And I was thinking, if you went and you sat anywhere in that stadium, it would be a tense finale. You might have had a nice day, a few pints of Guinness and whatever else. But you come back and you just sort of think, I thought that this was this new attacking age of England. You saw a glimpse of it against South Africa. That was a really sort of, as Eddie called it, rope-a-dope, back-to-the-walls performance. But when you look at the spine they've got at the moment of Harry Randall, Alex Dombratt, number eight, and Marcus Smith... If you were just looking at that on paper, you'd say, wow, that's going to be a team that's born to run. Mm. And you just never quite see it. The analogy I was thinking of is it's almost like I'd never really been to a boxing fight before, but it's a bit like watching a boxing fight where you really are desperate for your man to knock the other guy out and it just never quite happens. And it's a sort of on-points victory at the end and everyone leaves a bit like, oh, I just wanted to see the knockout punch.
2: Mind you, I got home from Tokenham and did watch the boxing, which was Unbelievable fight, and then the most staggering result at the end to give Josh Taylor that win. Uh, I I am no boxing aficionado, but I watched that. I was, I thought it was a a brilliant, brilliant sporting contest. Mm. Um, Second only to watching the uh, DNA Elite Under Tens play in Richmond, and 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 then the points decision. Like everyone in the arena, all the commentary team, both boxers really knew who'd won. And then the three judges gave it the other way. It was extraordinary.
1: Alex, you didn't uh, do what uh, Will did there. He included a Bruce Springsteen record in his uh, in mm. his chat. Have you, have you got one?
2: Ah,
1: uh, <laughs> no. Oh, well. It's no, <laughs> oh, sur- no surrender from you, then. I might, oh, I might <laughs>
2: slip one in uh, through the pod when I Google Some Bruce Springsteen songs You can songs do that. to be in
1: the tip of your tongue. Okay, thanks, lads. Here's What's coming up on the podcast? We'll be uh, having more chat on um, England uh, and Wales. Was it great or was it terrible? And the rest of the Six Nations, obviously. Also, the Premiership, um, an astounding finish to the Championship. Briefly, also Jess Hayden will be coming to us with her uh, roundup of the Premier Fifteens. Uh, before that, we could going uh, to um, listen to one of the all-time great players um, and Lions turned. Outstanding pundits and Jamie Roberts. Jamie, not in his traditional seat of power in Cardiff, but down playing Super Rugby in Sydney. Jamie, can you just you had eight minutes, I think, of your latest uh, burst of action. You played in so many wonderful places around the world, but now you've played for Australian Super Rugby.
4: Yes, yeah. Um, so we've had two two games so far. It was round two on the weekend. Unfortunately, we lost. It. Lost a home by a couple of points to the Queensland Reds. Um, played at the Leichhardt Oval, which is a pretty cool ground, actually. Mm. Um, and for some reason or other, I've managed to take the Welsh weather with me to Sydney. Um, it's been absolutely lashing it down for the last week. And will continue to do so this week. Um, so, yeah, fascinating, really. The lads are having conversations out here about how to play in the rain. <laughs> <And> I'm, <laughs> I'm the go-to man, I think.
0: I'm uh, afraid that I,
4: I <laughs> I was telling them I was telling them we have conversations back up north how to play in the dry. So <laughs> it's, um, yeah, no, it's been good fun. It's been good fun, settled in well and uh yeah, Super Rugby Australia, you know. Well I say Australia, Super Rugby Pacific. Um we're playing all the Australian sides first. Um, obviously because of of the borders in New Zealand, etc. So that will change with the COVID stuff, but hopefully come April, we'll be going out to New Zealand as well to, to play those teams, so sure. yeah, it's exciting, uh, it's good fun, and we've got a good group of the waters.
1: You're the only man who ever left Newport to complain about the weather in Sydney, That, that that's for sure um, Jamie <laughs> Saturday's game um, I just wondered do, do you feel a little bit d- detached from it, all, watching it in the early hours from, what, 10,000 miles away?
4: Yeah, I mean detached, yeah, definitely, look I, I, I think it's one thing you know, being here, um, you know, set my alarm for three three forty two. That gives me two minutes to get upstairs and uh, <laughs> I get I get get in there before kick off. Um in the in the morning here and uh, yeah, it didn't look it is what it is. I it certainly reminds me of, of international match day back home and uh, I do miss it, you know, whether that was as a player or or as a pundit or as a mm. fan, um, you do miss it. It's it's a massive part of the rugby calendar, isn't it? I think everyone involved in the game, whether that's you know player yourselves as as um, as a media or 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 supporters, it's 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 huge. And you know? yeah, mm. it is difficult. It's difficult watching it on TV. But um, there'll be uh, there'll be Six Nations next year, mate. Sure, <laughs> it's, absolutely. Uh, it's only for only for this season. At the minute, we're planning to come home at the end of June after the Super Rugby season. So. Um, but, yeah, I definitely miss it when you watch it on telly and you, you feel you're the other side of the world, mm. uh, just to feel that buzz of being in a stadium like that. Or, you know, whether, as I said, whether it's working and broadcasting or, again, you know, you certainly miss playing test rugby. Um, and I was I I was, I was just gutted. I, I think Wales, you know, they showed in that last, probably after eighty minutes, um, that last passage of play, they showed so much endeavour and, and resolve. You kind of just wish they did that for minute one. Um, mm. That line out cost them heavily, didn't it? You know, when it was in the game and just a couple of early pens, you know, they're all, they're all the headlines this week. But sure. that's a game I think Wales will feel as a team, although they lost, they've progressed since the Scotland game. I, I really think they have
1: what what about what about England there's there's a big dispute going on over here cuz Eddie Jones is sort of baffling people by saying look we're only interested in the world cup and then some fans are saying okay it was a win others others are genuinely genuinely upset with the way England played they only scored one try um how, how did you see it from the England well I from the England point of view but looking at England how did you see it
4: yeah look and i know i know the world cup cycles work as they do and, and coaches you know, whether they're employed for World Cup cycles, what have you. I hate it when international coaches say it's all about the World Cup. Absolutely. Because yeah. that pays a huge disrespect to the Six Nations. It pays a huge disrespect to, to the test rugby that that takes place, well, for four years in between World Cups. Um, it's not all about the World Cup. It's about each test match. Yes, there's a, a background plan, no doubt, the coaches have in place for you know, the, the player planning, etc. Um, But yeah, I, I really, really don't like it when international coaches come out and say, well, it's all about the World Cup. That really annoys me because, of what you know, each Test Rugby match is a huge moment in itself, you know, for players. Um, I think for players as well, hearing that from coaches, yes, obviously you want to peak for World Cups. You, you, you know you want to play in them, but they're a long time away. They're mm. a long time away. It's, it's about the here and now. It's about, this year's Six Nations tournament for these players is about um, what's what's coming in two weeks' time um, and the next game in the Six Nations.
3: On that note, you guys under Warren Gatlin had a hell of a focus on the Six Nations each year, didn't you? And won plenty of them. If you were in the England side at the moment and you were someone like Ben Young's or Courtney Laws, what would you be saying as the players when the head coach is like, oh, don't worry, we'll be peaking next year?
4: Um... Yeah, look, I think as players you you're aware that the World Cup is is a year away, and it's something every team wants to win. Um, I'm sure England are desperate to win it. Wales are desperate to win it. Ireland are desperate to to do well in it. As a, as a Scotland, you know, talk about the home unions, everyone wants to do well. Um, but we'll deal with the World Cup when the World Cup comes around. Yes, there's planning in place, and there are. You know succession strategies in each position, and you know no doubt coaches look at that um, throughout the four-year cycle, and that's great. But that happens behind closed doors. Yes, it happens through selection, etc. And, and players, I think, when you're involved in test environments, you're well aware of of where you sit in the pecking order. Um, if you're working with coaches that are honest with you, you know players that are playing and starting for England now. When you look at you, your Don Brandt's Marcus Smith, these are these are players that. It team like England will be building around, and they'll know that come World Cup time. Yes, I, you know, I'm going to be mid twenties. I'm going to be peaking. There's a great chance of me playing in that World Cup and being yeah. a big part of the side. Yeah. On the other end of the spectrum, there are older players maybe in that squad who might be a bit wary, thinking, you know, unless I pull my finger out and, and keep performing well, the chances of me playing at World Cup might, you know, might be might be quite slim. So, but that happens every World Cup cycle. And as I said, if if you if coaches start harping on about saying it's all about World Cups, um, I, it just frustrates the hell out of me because it pays. As I said, it pays a huge disrespect to to, to all that Test rugby brings in between World Cups.
2: Jamie, hi, it's it's Alex here. Um, you you won't have been alone in setting your alarm for three forty two a.m. to to watch the game down in Australia. How many people do you think would have actually made it to the end? Um, it's a it's a rugby culture down there that. That wants entertainment and demands entertainment and this was a game particularly that first half so many stoppages um so many scrum resets which um it, it does not um does not help the flow of a game and and certainly the spectacle of the game and i just wonder whether anyone down in australia would have would have actually survive through to the to the final whistle
4: yeah well we we had a shed load of scrum resets in our game on friday i, th- I think it's a wider issue that the uh, the game needs to address. You know, if we are going to appeal to more fans um, and, and the game is going to grow, it's it's something the game needs to address. There's no doubt about that because it just eats up the clock. It's it's desperately frustrating, isn't it? I think we all felt that in that first half. It just it just kills all momentum out of a game. Um, and I think referees just need to be more decisive, quicker. Um, you, you know, maximum one reset, and then you just you just make a call there. That <laughs> <laughs> You know, don't ask me about scrums, mate. I have no clue what's going on, uh, as I'm sure neither of you have. Cut no, no, no. um, true Okay, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's frustrating. You know, we, we all want to see. It. We're, at, the, at the end of the day, we're in an entertainment business, and we want to see the game. We want to see an exciting game of rugby, don't we? And we saw that in patches in that second half of the weekend. But as, as you rightly said, that first half was was laborious at times um, and it was a difficult watch but sometimes that's what test rugby is like you know you've got two teams here who have won one and lost one and, and are desperate to keep their chance of winning the tournament um, th- um, still alive so you know the game was always going to be kind of that bit of, bit of an arm wrestle wasn't it
2: well an area that you know very well is, is the attack and I wonder whether I could put your brains on on Different ways of, of of attacking the game. So we saw, as you said, that that last sort of twenty minutes, when Wales got front football, and Thomas Williams Williams is injecting pace and Biggers playing flat to the line and Falatow's carrying it forward. They were they they stressed England and and scored three tries when England had a lot of ball in the first half. They couldn't penetrate Wales just just as they couldn't penetrate Scotland a few weeks earlier. Um, the conversation up here has been so much around. Manu Tuilangi for the last couple of weeks as as a sort of the panacea to England's issues. That if they can get someone who can run straight and hard and over that gain line, they've got the ball players to play from that platform. Um, Eddie was talking after the game about his vision to to play a free style of rugby, to do away with with formations, to do away with sort of the one three three one types attacking system. How do you can you do that in the test level how do you view the the way that england's attack is is set up at the moment and and perhaps why they can't penetrate defenses in the way that wales did when they were able to get some some momentum in the game
4: yeah well i think I a few things to say here one i think wales defended very smartly on the weekend uh they got the wingers high on on age attacks um which you quite it's, it's high risk high reward so it's when you're left with maybe a half field to attack or maybe a third field to attack a lot of the time defenses feel a bit vulnerable and you defend quite soft when you've got, you know, the attacking prowess that England have, if you defend soft against that, then they're going to cut you to shreds. You know, the footwork of Marcus Smith, um, you know, the likes of Jack Noel, you know, Henry Slade, et cetera. Um, And so Wales, not gamble. I think it was a calculated gamble. It's something we did a, a long time in the Sean Edwards, and now Wales are doing it. And the Gethin Jenkins is is in that half field, really, really coming high, They're bringing the wingers and that one one defender in from the edge, coming high. So Marcus Smith gets the ball, looks up, doesn't really want to risk playing in those wider channels uh, because that Welsh offence has kind of spooked them, if you say. And mm. I thought the Welsh wingers and, and centers did a great job on the weekend doing that um so you know that they contained england in that regard as regards to manu um look I, i'm a big believer you, as an attack you need focal points in your attack you know people who can really sit defenders down and create space for others or take two three defenders with them um that doesn't always have to be in the midfield it can be a, a really destructive back row ball carriers that can be big wingers. You know, we saw how destructive Alex Cuthbert was with ball in hand. And again, Jack Noel plays a similar role for England, um, often popping up in the midfield. But when you've got someone like Manu in your team, you can build your attacking game around him because, you know, when, when you're playing at the back of players or, or hitting players up, he's going to create space, whether he carries... Next next phase is gonna have there's gonna be space because he's gonna take two, three defenders with him. If you use him as a decoy, he's gonna create space because he's gonna attract defenders. And when you haven't got that focal point, you're relying on pace, you're relying on footwork, um, and passing ability of players. Now, when defenses are so well coached in the international game, it's hard to break down defenses if you don't have those focal points. That's, that's pretty obvious. And, you know, that links then up to Eddie's point. who's talking about doing away with shape. Now, well, now defences are so well coached and how the rules allow for, for players to get over the ball, you know, and that you've got some bloody good jacklers in the game at test level now. If you're not playing to shape and you don't resource Rucks well and attack, it, you're going to lose all day long. You're going to lose all day long because it. You, You'll be looking at, you know, even if putting one player to a ruck nowadays, you're in trouble, um, you know, ball carrier plus one. You need ball carrier plus two at almost every ruck without fail. Um, otherwise, you're going to lose the ball in the contact area. So, yeah, you do need structure and shape at test level. Um, that's the way it is. It's very hard to to play this, you know, however Eddie Jones wants to suggest playing. Um, you need some sort of shape. Otherwise, you're just not going to put any... Sort of phases together because defenses are so well coach, If that makes sense,
1: yeah, Jamie, you, you, you um played in two, well at least two, really really world class centre partnerships. Oh, just calling yourself in uh, South Africa and and Jonathan Davis in hundreds of games of Wales. Do you think that it's still it's still essential to have a kind of balance in in midfield because England don't appear to be trying trying that at the moment. Um, I
4: wouldn't say essential i think it helps massively and if you don't i think you need to have it on the wing yeah um in in some form or other i think you need a power running in your back line that's the way i see the game um you know whether, whether that's a 12 13 14 or 11 um and are players that can really really punch the line pick good lines and and physically dominate opponents um because it gives you so much you know we talk about Physical domination up front. As I said, with the way uh, the amount of space now at test level on the, on the park um, is very limited, the way defences are coached. You need players who can go through heavy traffic and give you momentum. Uh, it just puts you on the front foot. It makes, it makes life certainly a lot easier. And, and as you said, I think one of you guys alluded to it that last 20 minutes when Wales just started just being a bit more basic with their attack and carrying. With a bit more aggression, with a bit more intensity, um, their game mm. fell into shape. They they were finding soft edges in England. So, you know, the game dress it up all you want. You have to go forward. Um, and you know, the simplest formula for doing that is is having someone you know big players who can are smart pick good lines and uh, and are going to win collisions.
3: Jamie, the next time we come back for a Six Nations round, it's Wales France on that Friday night in a week or so's time. How do you think Wales can go about stopping the French? Because at the moment, they just look like they're unstoppable. How, how are they going to yeah, sort I'm of sure. be the stick in the mud and stop the slam?
4: I haven't watched the Scotland and France game. I was only watching the highlights. Um, I'm mm. trying to work it out myself, actually, <laughs> um, how Wales are going to going to kind of stifle this game plan. I, I think defensively, they, they have to take a few risks against France. Yeah. Um, they're not the sort of team you can... You can Defend softly against because I think attack wise at the minute they're, they're the best side in the championship. Um, and so Wales are going to have to bring another level of line speed again, defend with their wingers high. Um, and they'll be repping that for the next fortnight. Um, with, with Gethin as coach there, um, just trying to get as high as possible to, to put the likes of Fiku, Dante, these sorts of guys under pressure because serious serious players um and just up front keep the ball on the park limit set peace with these guys again you know Wales try to do that against england i think
0: mm-hmm.
4: um and limit set piece. these guys get a rumble on in the lineup that's the thing with france in the minute they're all all-court team um and very hard to plan against because you, you know you defend them well one in a, one aspect of the game they'll come at you in the other the very smart side and defensively don't don't concede many with obviously with Sean Edwards at the helm there. So serious team. I said before the tournament that I think a, a good tournament for Wales was if if they won their home games. Mm. Um and they won from three, you know, I can't see them losing to Italy at home. So for me, this is this is now mm. obviously a state the obvious. They've only got two games left, but um this is this is a huge, huge game for Wales. Mm. They're at home, it's a Friday night. They're against the favourites, uh, who are on for a slam, and you know don't be surprised if if Wales upset the odds. I mean, you know France are the team to beat, but as a Welshman, it's it's a massive game for the lads. You know they've got two weeks leading, and uh, you know it's going to be arguably a career-defining game.
1: Look, it's been great to talk to you, and uh, sharp as a needle as uh, as ever. Um, thanks, thanks, a million for talking to us. I really enjoyed it. Um, is it now, Thomas? You going off to to see uh, to try and
4: get him to sleep? Oh, Thomas. Well, Thomas. Thomas went to sleep three hours ago, but no doubt the little bugger is going to wake up in an hour. <laughs> two hours, <you> know, <laughs> just, yeah. We is- just let him cry out. Um, but yeah, we got uh, well training tomorrow. Brumby's away this weekend. I think we got five five or six games, and then we've got a bye week. I'm going to try and sneak down to Melbourne for the Grand Prix, so that's in that weekend mm. oh, off. Oh,
1: right, okay, okay. You have such um, a boring and...
4: life, Jamie, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> oh, it's so boring, mate. Well, literally, the beach is closed today. they put a little oh, sign no. in the sand saying sharks sighted. <laughs> like. oh, obviously, we had that that'd catastrophe be, two be good. weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah
1: that'd be good enough for me shark sighted Jamie Roberts thanks a million and uh, wish you all the best with Thomas and also uh, with your new arrival and also with your super rugby career thank thank you so much
4: nice one see you in the summer guys
1: well um, Alex I just think that was wonderful talking to Jamie and the insight and you know talk about the finger on the pulse he immediately picked up something you've, you'd already picked up about um, the World Cup final, I mean, or, or the World Cup, and it all depends on that. Yeah. It's, a, it's a long way in the future. And Jamie was very, very anti this Eddie Jones philosophy. He was, and, and he, he's right to be so. And I,
2: it's, it, I know you're not an enormous fan of nuance, Steve, but there is... I tried to write a piece about this a few weeks ago where I agreed with the need... For England to evolve their squad. I mean, it was kind of hard not to. A year ago they finished fifth. Things weren't working. They there were players who he needed to turn to, and he is now turning to um, in certain positions a Don Brandt, a steward. A, um and they needed they need time. They are not the finished article, but they're very they're established already, I think. I think I thought Don Brandt's performance on Saturday was his coming-of-age game for England at a test level. So That's where I disagree with with your point, Steve, which is always to just pick the players for that game. However, the narrative of it's all about the World Cup, I I couldn't agree more with what what Jamie says. I I think the changes that England made made them a better team in the autumn. So that wasn't just picking youth for youth's sake. I think it improved the team. But the, the, the idea that you can try and sell out Twickenham, sell £200 tickets to benches, hospitality for games which you're effectively telling people are just a stepping stone to something else, hmm. which they probably won't be at because not that many people can, can get to a World Cup, even in France. Um, I, I I completely disagree with it. I don't like the, the message. And, and I know people, personal friends and family, who will no longer go to Twickenham because they don't want to... They they don't feel like they're buying tickets to an event that the head coach thinks is that big a
1: deal. I um I will add a nuance in there for you. Oh I'm uh, <laughs> uh, an alarm. I think that news. Alex Donbrant has still got it all to do to prove himself as a number eight. May well do, uh, and, and I think probably oh. Harry Randall too. And also I will add um, um, Smith to that. I think. They're promising starts but they've still got it all to of do. Of course
2: of course they do. Of course they do. But all I mean is I thought that Don Brandt showed in that game on Saturday that he has what it takes. None of them are the finished article, I'm not absolutely not saying that, but I think those I think Stewart, Smith and Don Brandt for me have all hmm. proven that from here they can build to become really good test players.
3: Well, on the on the World Cup point, building to the World Cup, didn't South Africa prove last cycle that it was all a load of hooey? They yeah. were good for nine yeah. months. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Razzy Erasmus came in eighteen months, two years just before that World Cup. They were absolutely terrible in 2017 2018 mm. and then they built they won the rugby championship and six out of seven games at the World Cup, and that was enough and that was yeah. it. they weren't. And, they weren't building for this wider thing for four eight, twelve years and, and and weirdly, which sort of contradicts
2: the narrative from from England is is that actually I think Eddie's probably just waiting for next summer. I think mm. he's trying to get his his chess pieces in in position, and then he'll get them in camp for three months, and that's the point when yeah. he'll have maximum control of the England squad, and that's when I think he'll think he can turn them into a team that reaches the final. Because a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that goes on now, he's he sends them back to their clubs, they get injured, he doesn't have the control that he wants, yeah. and all of that kind of stuff. I actually think he's looking at players. You know, I was saying I think we had this conversation with Will at, at Twickenham that. It wouldn't surprise me at all If someone like Lewis Ludlow Who captained England last summer And is now not involved Is already pencilled in To be part of a a wider World Cup camp
3: As a
2: a great squad man A a, a leader A very reliable, high quality player Is that
3: the new Mark Wilson character? And and everything
2: else is just being built So that in that camp he can get everything ready Mm. Which contradicts the whole narrative of
3: of, um, This is all part of a journey The other point though on that is To be fair to him, it worked last time yeah. Like They got them in camp from about... So like the exactly, premiership yeah. final was in June and they almost the next day joined up and then went to the World Cup in September with lots of camps and going to Italy and going to Brighton and wherever else they went. And they did get better
1: mm. together, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, of and, and they found out that on the World Cup final day they weren't ready for the World Cup in the scrummage, in their backup scrummage. And the bus was late. So all, this, <laughs> all that stuff went to waste. Let me ask you a, a bit of a deeper question. This is as deep as... Do you remember Jacques Cousteau? Because when he said, whenever, whenever Will does a deep dive, I always remember Jacques Cousteau <laughs> and the Calypso, where I was in great danger from the sea creatures. That was, uh, that was Jacques Cousteau's... Was it? Yeah. yeah. Know, was it from Sri Lanka or Yeah. <laughs> I, um, th- th- there was a certain atmosphere at Twickenham um, where, uh, first of all, uh, it was gr- slightly grim because of the tension. Um, I, I gave some. I got some tickets for some people, and very, very grateful they were, and had a great time. But this, this drinking thing, uh, they, it was just a plague, absolute plague, of people getting up. I, I'm not uh, attacking the RFU here because they need to get some money, but international rugby has become massive. It's become overblown, and uh, there are too many games. Uh, and, and, and it is like a, a factory food for gathering in money. On the other hand, on Sunday, I wasn't actually at Franklin's Gardens, but we saw a delightful game, played in a great spirit, way more attacking rugby than England and Wales had, had dreamt of, uh, and, and just a terrific game. Which of those two was more akin with what rugby is supposed to be?
2: Yeah, I didn't see the the Franklin's the the Northampton game, I, but I've read a lot about it and certainly saw a lot of the reaction to, to what a great game it was. I I, I will say to, to not be completely negative about Twickenham and England that um it what it was a, a rousing atmosphere and I thought there was a sense of joy about being back at big stadiums and I know that this is a this is a theme that we've talked about a lot and it was the first Six Nations game with a with a full crowd at Twickenham for a couple of years and. It felt like the crowd were desperate to get engaged in it. They mm. they were they were loud when they when they needed to be, mm. um, even at the end when they when, when England was kind of trying to basically hang on, they stirred again. Yeah, and I thought it, Twickenham can take time, can be like a huge tanker. It can take take time for an atmosphere to build there. Partly because, as you say, Steve, there's a lot of a lot of people distracted and, and, and elsewhere. But actually, it it was a stirring place at times, and and that was. That alone was a was quite a joyful thing f- for me, and I, and I do think that you know they were invested and they were they were desperate for something, and, and it kind of goes back to what we talked about that with Jamie and the, uh, attacking rugby and like they've been sold this idea of what their team will be, and it's just not clicking. There are there are flashes of it where Marcus Smith is 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 finding space where there is no space for that wonderful step and kick that he does and, and offload, and but the good things aren't attached to what, to the other good things that they're a bits and pieces team at the moment. Mm. I, I will say, though, they won the game, and you don't have to win games by scoring tries from 60 metres out. You don't have to win games by being flash. Mm. They won the game. They opened a 17-point lead because they put pressure on defensively and Marcus Smith kicked goals, 3-6-9-12. Classic way of building a scoreboard. They didn't... They didn't convert their pressure into big points, but they did build a score. And and you can't you can't criticise them for doing that. That's a perfectly legitimate way of, build, of building a score. It's just that the vision they're being sold, I don't think is quite matching up with what yeah. they're seeing well, on the
1: Well, field. at the end of the next few weeks, when you've uh, raced around this week trying to get some more stories, stats, etc., then you go to Cardiff on a Friday if you're going and get back at the early hours, then you whiz back to Twickenham... You either do the inquest or the glory, Eddie. Then you got to. We, we were all off to France for a night for a night game. Would you be looking forward then to a rest, or at least to go to a decent, friendly club game?
3: Yeah, I think so. I mean, the Premiership's been awesome, hasn't it? I mean, yeah. we look the other way at this time of year because we have to because that's the job. But I mean, teams like London Irish just look like an absolute joy. Like that Northampton, they're born to play Quins. And like Alex and I were coming back to England, we t- having this conversation on the phone. On Sunday, when we're sort of discussing what to put in the in a sort of big review piece, and I, I genuinely think that there's a England have got a really likable team at the moment, a bit like the football side who've totally changed the narrative of the last decades, where they seem really relatable, they're really diverse, they they seem like a really good group of lads, and I, as you were saying, Alex, I think there's a genuine will for them to do well at the stadium, but then. Whether it needs to, ref- their performances need to reflect their character. I don't feel like it does quite at the moment. They seem to be this team that are, they could, as I
1: was saying earlier, burst into life, and they just still are a bit areas of grey in it. Let me let me have the last nuance on this uh, on this game before we go on, Alex. Is <laughs> England rugby team the least relatable sports team I've ever come across in any sport? I don't, I really we, don't agree why? with that. Why, why? why would are, you say they that? are? They are. <laughs> why? Well, the media the, the media, um, um, the media um, uh, access is pathetic. Uh, people say, why don't you go to press conferences? Because I don't want to sit 49th in line uh, and, and, and get some quotes that other people's going to use, then to, being told, sorry, it's embargoed, and you're going to use it a week on Tuesday.
3: I think, though, that the... Parents, and, uh, if you talk to people like Ellis Genge and Carl Sinclair and guys like Smith and Don Brandt, and they're really interesting and diverse and exciting characters who've got great backstories and I feel like that is being reflected and England still can do better to reflect that. What aspect of their
1: backstories didn't emerge five years ago or more? Well, The first backstory with Kyle Sinclair, and I don't normally do this, was me... Uh, when I sat with him at Guilford Donkeys years ago when he was at Quinn's Reserve. Mm. Since then, everybody's re- recycled it, as I've recycled other backstories. <laughs> this is the least... To compare them with the England football team, Gareth Southgate. Southgate and Eddie Jones, you've got chalk and cheese, you've got Jesus and Beelzebub. I don't know if it's got anything to do with Eddie Jones, really. I just think that... It's, the young, a, confident Who is setting all the agenda? Fun. Who is setting the agenda? Yeah, I know, but when on you go and, and off see, the field. And actually, he's not setting the agenda. He's making the complete balls up of it. Like
3: the in, recent interviews I've done with people like Gabe O'Grey and Paolo Dogwell they seem they're just interesting lads. And but well, I, a, that's I would like out of them to sit, show that on the field in their performances. That's all. I'm. That was the point I was trying to make.
1: The, 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 there is no um, joy in this England team.
3: But there could be. That's what I'm well, saying. Well, there there could the,
1: be. M- maybe there could be. And there was quite a was... lot of
3: joy when they beat South Africa. That yeah. was pretty on joyful. The f- on the final whistle. Ruffy Quirk. Yeah, yeah. But they beat the world champions. <sighs> <It's laughs>
1: the, it is, a, jo- is a, a joyless thing. And you look at um, you look at on the Sunday Times, um, sorry, on the Times um, uh, uh, website, and you look you looked at reactions. I've read oh. them. There was about 800 to one match report alone. And they have definitely, categorically turned against Eddie. Mm. You, you read it absolutely definitely. I don't
3: think. I don't think we're disagreeing on the fact that there's loads more that England yes we can are. do. All oh, right, are we? Okay. <laughs> Is that the nuance for the day? Yes, the nuance.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there's certainly no nuance in France. Um, uh, no nuance in the way they're playing. Um, no nuance in well there is a nuance because they they're playing in all different styles to suit the occasion on the field which is Eddie's um big goal which he's never achieved and never will the um french um, alex french pack you'd love their big forwards um huge forwards i should say but also mobile says cyril by these guys uh, um but you'd also love the, the the whole sweep of the way they play yeah
2: absolutely and and it, we had Sean Edwards on didn't we a few weeks ago, talking about how much he he loves some of their guys and they're not always the biggest guys, but they've got that toughness. But they've got that, just that adventure, that freedom to play. That um, they bat themselves about their skills. that they they've got the power. They've got the vision. They've got. It's just a thrill to watch them. But it's founded upon. It's not baseless. That's the. Hmm. That's the thing. It's it's founded upon. Um, You know, on upon discipline and 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 a set piece and defence, which and then upon that they then go and play. And um, I I think, as we said, as as Will said to to Jamie, how do you stop them? And Mm. and the moment within the Six Nations, Ireland would have been the closest, and
1: and um, and they couldn't do it. One one thing where Wales will really struggle, and it didn't make them struggle. Wales have got a total dearth of front row forwards who can actually play play around the field, like bye, like Sinclair, like Genge to a certain furlong. extent, that furlong, they haven't mm. got those, and mm. that is when they will be punished. But, Will, um, we were talking to Jamie about about uh, partnerships, himself yeah. and Brian O'Driscoll, and then we're talking about Manu, because we want him to be in the partnership, but um, Jonathan Dante, Gail Fico, Fico is sometimes out on the wing, but yeah. Fico, Dante, uh, is that not a classic partnership? I mean, Vakatawa is not even fit, but is that not a classic balanced partnership. They look really good, and it was interesting. We were all sitting at Twickenham watching um,
3: Scotland France on the tellys in the press box, and you should have seen Stuart Barnes if you weren't. there. He's <laughs> just obsessed with Don'ty. Yeah. thinks he's like the god of every week. It's amazing. But I love I love watching their the guys who look like they shouldn't be able to yeah. throw ridiculous offloads. Like again for the the Monday Mall, I've had a little bit of a look at Cyril Bay, and the one offload that he gave um, for Mo try. Cut out six Scottish defenders with the same pass. Like they honey potted around him so much, and he flicked one out the back. And <laughs> it's just amazing. I, I cannot wait. Like we're talking about joy, whatever the situation is with England, we're going to be lucky enough to all be at the Stade de France on that mm. final day. And to be honest, I kind of hope that they're on for a Grand Slam because that mm. is going to be amazing. Mm. Like Saturday night, nine PM kickoff in Paris. That
1: could be unbelievable, couldn't it? It would be great fun. It would be the most unbelievable deadline we've ever had. You're right. <laughs> Alex, uh, Will made a good point there. Um, if you're a rugby person and follower, even if you're kind of slightly biased towards one country, wouldn't it be lovely if they do win a classic Grand Slam?
2: Yeah, it would. No, it, it, it would because it's, it's the sign of um, of, a, of a classic team. You mm. know, they've only been, what, 16, is it, in ever mm. Grand Slams you have to be you don't fluke a Grand Slam mm. you know you can Absolutely. you can win a title on points difference or bonus points and, and there have been title winners who in years where it could have gone either way you don't fluke a Slam mm. and um, this team and the way they play um Will if they if they win a slam they will have won it in the, in the way you want a team to win a grand slam and and so I agree with will if 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 it's on the line uh, on that Saturday night I'm not saying I I'm not supporting them but it would be hmm. if they go and do it they will have done it in, in in the perfect way you'd like to see a team win a slam Steve on that
3: just quickly you've seen farmer more slams than us if France were to wipe the floor with Wales and then do the job against England hmm. would that be one of the more dominant in- in tournaments it, you've seen like Wales in 05 wasn't dominant but they played amazing rugby didn't they what what other slams what, would you pick what, out what, what, I say? mean
1: what, what, the Wales were dominant in the 70s there was I think there was either one or two slams where they were dominant never looked like losing any any of them mm. but um I don't think I have ever seen anyone who um this French team if they keep going if they keep going. It could easily be the best Grand Slam team or the best European team we've seen because Wales, um, uh, when they went a- away from the comfort zone of the Six Nations or Five Nations, were badly beaten in New Zealand. Although, to be fair, the, 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 the core of the team did win the 71 Lions. I, I don't think this French team could go anywhere and be badly beaten by anyone at any time. What about the 03?
3: 03. England Slam that that was unbelievably dominant. Yeah, that was unbelievably
1: game. dominant, and they would certainly they would certainly. Do you know what the worst thing that three Grand Slam did was to have the World Cup coming after it. If that had stood alone, they were absolutely brilliant. England mm. have never played so well as they did against Ireland in the in the Grand Slam game. Absolutely brilliant, Matt uh, Dawson. You, d- you may not like him or you may love him, but he was just out of this world.
2: It, it feels like this is brewing as well in France like mm. it's been 10 yeah. years I think since they won a the title so a Grand Slam would be 12, the, I think. Tw- 12, 12 years 10, yeah. since they won a the title Grand Slam would be like the promised land to them and um, they have come they would have done it if they'd lost if they hadn't had our ass sent off in Scotland and lost that game a couple of years ago um, it feels like it's just it's just building for them
1: mm. let's just move on now Steve um,
2: you didn't notice my uh, Bruce Springsteen song what, title what was it promised land
1: <laughs> Sorry, I missed
2: that. Mate. Uh, <laughs> I, did, I literally engineered that entire answer, so I could get Sorry. your Bruce Springsteen <laughs> song title. In. Okay, what's the first? What's the first line of it?
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: um, Can you sing it for
2: us, Steve? Go on. is it? It's,
1: it's been 12 years since we won a slam. No, it's Rattlesnake Speedway in the Utah Desert. Is oh. the first line? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um The, um, the, the w- w- just just one one quick line. Poor old Nika Amashukeli um, was really under pressure. He had to send off three Italians. I wonder would he have sent off three Irishmen if the offences had been the other way. But uh, again, another huge embarrassment uh, for Italy. Well, yeah,
3: sort of. Personally, I thought the referee got all the key decisions right. I mean, yes, what I a hellish game for your first Six Nations match. Yeah. He did pretty well, I yeah. thought, actually. And it's not his fault that um, the law that allowed, well, forced Italy to go from 15 men to 13 men in the stroke of one decision. That's not his fault. That mm. It's a bit of a mad law, that one. I think he actually had a good game. But you do you do start feeling a bit sorry for Italy, don't you? I mean... The the guy gets injured, the hooker, then the a replacement gets a red card, probably justified justifiably. And then there's this like tiny nuance of a law that damages them even further. And in ninety five percent of occasions it's meant to stop people cheating. Yeah. yeah. And in the five percent where they weren't trying, it, it duffs them up, doesn't it? Just, it.
2: Look, that you, that why you... can why can I know that there are there are specific skills? Um, break foot. You got. You are supposed to hook. Mm. You have got to put your foot out to hook the ball. Even if the ball just bounces off your heel. But is it so specialist that a tight head prop couldn't go and play hooker in a in a test match scrum? Um, the bloke
3: who came on, he he was quite good at throwing in.
2: I was throwing in, at, was all right, wasn't it?
1: They're, yeah. they're so they're so worried about you know someone goes down and they break their neck or something like that. Let's be fair, it's the badlands, the uh, front row. It's scrum. Yeah. It's just, um, just, just, just one more thing, Alex. Before we go on to club, very quickly, England, Ireland, uh, Ireland narrow favourites, but England could really, really put themselves on the map in that game. Well, they'll need to. I mean, it'll, it's
2: it, if they don't, then then they're looking at at a, another really poor championship because mm. um, i have to go to france and try and win in france to get a third win last year they finished 5th with two wins um it's the biggest test i mean they, they actually they came through that south africa game and passed a, a passed a, a ferocious test in that second half against mm. the springboks and you thought that's that's the making of this team and since then they've they've gone backwards this feels now a year on from England finishing fifth, like Ireland is 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 the test of this whole new project that Eddie Jones keeps talking Absolutely. about. Um, if if they lose it, then I mean the, the questions become incredibly uncomfortable.
1: Okay, lads, uh, thank you very much for that. Very eloquent all round on the Six Nations. We're now going over to Jess. Uh, it was a huge weekend at the in the uh, Premier Fifteens, Jess.
5: Confirmed their place in the Premier 15's playoffs as they extended their lead at the top of the table to six points with three games remaining of the regular season. They beat Bristol Bears in a top-of-the-table clash that finished almost three hours after it began. That's because the game was suspended for 35 minutes while medics attended to George Evans, the Saracens player who sustained a painful-looking injury to her arm and shoulder. Despite the lengthy delay as the severity of Evans's injury became more clear, the teams returned to the pitch for a show stopping end to round 15. Second half tries came from Bristol's Leanne Infante, Saracen's Poppy Cleal, and Bristol's Alicia Butchers before Bristol set up a strong ball just shy of the try line and prop Sarah Byrne managed to touch the ball down for a 79th minute try. Despite the conversion being scored quickly by Amber Reed to put Bristol just four points behind Saracens with one last play of the game, there was confusion about the time left on the clock and Bristol tapped the ball down in their in-goal area to accidentally end the game with Saracens in the lead 30-26. Of course, we wish George Evans a speedy recovery. On Saturday, Harlequins took second place following their 48-5 win against DMP Durham Sharks, but Bristol's losing bonus points mean Harlequins now move back to third place. Exeter kept up the pressure to keep their place in the top four with a convincing 67 win against Worcester Warriors. Loughborough Lightning saw the return of Emily Scarrett, the 2019 World Rugby Player of the Year who's not played since breaking her leg three minutes into the first game of this season back in September. Scarrett came onto the pitch in the 65th minute and the side managed a 19-0 draw with Gloucester-Hartbury. Finally, in Sale, the battle of Wasps versus Sharks was settled as Wasps pulled away for a convincing 53-14 win against Sale Sharks. So, the scores from round 15 are DMP Durham Sharks 5, Harlequins 48, Exeter Chiefs 60, Worcester Warriors 7, Loughborough Lightning 19, Gloucester Hartbury 19, Cell Sharks 14, Wasps 53, and finally Bristol Bears 26, Saracens 30.
1: Thank you very much, Jess. So, before we go on to our God, Goddess, or Devil of the week, very, very important that we mention the RFU Championship. It's been uh, beleaguered, uh, underfunded, but all the teams have come through and played all their games. And what do you know? The climax is excellent. On Saturday, uh, Ealing were, were or Doncaster went to Ealing and won 25 17, which has really put the cat amongst the pigeons. Donc- Doncaster. Great club. Now they've got a great chance of actually finishing top and and therefore a great chance of going up. Uh, there are four teams left in it. Ealing, Doncaster, Cornish Pirates and Jersey uh, had a great game on the weekend. So this top four has really broken away and it has put pressure on all those who want the championship to be devalued and to have joke. Premiership second teams in it but,
2: but Pirates have got to play both Ealing and Doncaster I yeah,
1: think the c- Pirates have to play Ealing and Doncaster They have to go to Doncaster And I think they are at home to Ealing So they're, they're, that'll be worth watching
3: But only two teams have applied to come up Yeah So yeah. <laughs> Doncaster and Ealing are the two that have applied to come up
1: Okay We're up to God, Goddess or Devil Will Will uh,
3: we mentioned him before, and I think he's possibly my player of the tournament so far as well, but I can't look beyond Cyril Bailly. Um We actually, on our little Ruck podcast group, we had a specific request from yeah, Al Dimmock yeah. that we had to I mean, get him Cyril Bailly, in. Bailly, yeah. yeah, So there yeah. you go, Al. That's for you.
1: Well, I think, do we have any free will in this, or we've all <laughs> got to go for Cyril Bay? <laughs> Alex? Um, well, I would...
2: I certainly heartily endorse that that um, nomination. I thought he was brilliant. Uh, He has been all tournament. He was in the autumn. Um, What a player! Uh, I'm going to give a a mention to Ben Youngs, Mm. um, another player who who's who's been maligned a lot, um, and yet he's won 115 Test caps. He's seen off. I think about 120 England players have been capped since his debut. 11 other scrum halves have won a cap since his debut, and he's still sort of seeing them all off. And uh, he actually came on and played really, really well, um, helped control things when England were, were losing their heads a bit. And whether you think he should be starting for England or not, to win 115 Test caps in England is remarkable. There are other nations who've had a lot of Centurions. Um, uh, the Wallabies, the All Blacks had a lot of Test Centurions. Wales. England have only had two, and one of them is um, is Ben Youngs, and so uh, he gets my nomination.
1: Both those are incredibly noble, and I, I'm going to I was going to go to Paul Willemsa because I think he just he, he's what Locks always used to be, as well as what they are in these days. But I have to say that Ben Youngs um, is such a lovely bloke. Mm. I, I am going to go I'm going to go against the express advice of our propping <laughs> experts. And I'm going to go for Ben Youngs too. So I think by a majority of 2-1, very, very close. Ben Youngs is our God of the Week. Thanks a million for for tuning in. Thanks for listening to us. Thanks to Al and thanks to Will and Jamie. Uh, We will be back next week. There will be a raft of other stuff Uh, we have to get our heads around. And let's hope there's some joy in it along the way.